0: Hi, I'm Bec Rayner and this is the Military Wife Life podcast. A podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports and embraces the spouses behind the military members by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. Want to join a bank that just gets Defence Life? Defence Bank is one of Australia's largest customer-owned banks. They have 33 on-base branches across Australia, an award-winning banking app that allows you to do all your banking wherever, whenever, and Defence Bank offers competitive products and services tailored for ADF members and defence spouses. Visit defencebank.com.au today and see how easy your banking can be. Just as a warning, this episode contains discussion of miscarriage. So if anything comes up for you, You can call Support Service SANS, Miscarriage Stillbirth and Newborn Death Support 24-7 on 1300 072 637 or Veterans and Families Counselling Service Open Arms 24-7 on 1800 011 046. Today's podcast episode is on a topic that isn't often spoken about, miscarriage. One in four women will experience a miscarriage. The vast majority of miscarriages will happen in the first 12 weeks of pregnancy, often at a time when the exciting and happy news has only been shared with a few friends and family members, if any. It can be a lonely time. There's often no answers as to why you experience a miscarriage or anything you can do to prevent one. Today, seven brave spouses are sharing their journey to becoming pregnant, the extra complexities defense life adds to starting or expanding a family, their heartbreaking miscarriage experiences, and coping with the isolation and grief that follows. Experiencing the loss of a baby brings with it an indescribable ache that is always there. With time, you might learn to live with that ache, but it never goes away you never get over the baby you so very much wanted and imagined and planned a future for. Morgan, Tony, Rose, Emily, Jess, Brooke and Sam all hope that this episode will allow others who have also experienced a miscarriage to feel that little bit less alone or that it may help someone who experiences a miscarriage in years to come to understand that there are others out there who walk beside you in your grief. This is Morgan's Story. Had you spoken about how kids and pregnancy would fit in with Defence Life and postings and your work situation? Had you done some family planning?
1: We sort of a little bit of family planning. We we knew that we sort of wanted to start having kids and, and it was something that was going to happen, you know, in the near future. But we had sort of planned it to be after he had come back from his on um, the decommissioning tour and we didn't really think that it was going to happen as quickly as it did and it was sort of you know it's not that we weren't trying but it was kind of accidental that it happened before he went away
0: can you tell me about the day that you found out
1: you were pregnant so i had spent the day with one of my military spouse friends and she, at the time, was about 10 or 12 weeks pregnant at the time. She already had three girls and was pregnant with another girl. And her husband and my husband were on the same ship together, so we would spend a lot of time together. And we were, I was over at her place just, just for a couple, and we were talking about kids and that kind of thing. And I thought, you know, we'd been sort of counting days and tracking, and I was like, oh, you know, could be, but probably not. And she said, oh, why don't you go get a test and, and just see And so on the way home from her place, I got a test and I went home and did the test. And it was actually the same day was my husband's birthday. I just remember, you know, I did the test and I set it down and and I was just sort of pacing around the bathroom and then I saw the positive and I just cried. I was just so happy. And it was also quite bittersweet because he wasn't there with me. And then I ended up driving to Coles at about 10.30 at night and I got a few more tests and did them and they all came back positive. So I thought, okay. And then my husband phoned me and, you know, I told him the good news and that he was going to be a dad. And he sort of, it was in a bit of disbelief at first. He also didn't think that it was going to happen that quickly. And so I think he was a little bit in shock, but he was still excited and nervous that he was away and didn't want to miss anything, that's still sort of happy. So there were a lot of mixed emotions
0: that night. I guess it's, it's harder for, even though you mentioned you were trying, but you didn't really expect it to happen so quickly and then he's away so he's not really there to process it together so you know he's a a bit disconnected from it but you're telling him that that's happening so he needs to get his head around it but yeah he's so far from home to be able to be there and feel the emotions together
1: yeah I think he struggled with actually processing it for the first couple of weeks he just didn't and I think that is what made it difficult throughout the entire pregnancy is that he wasn't there or any of it. He didn't come to any of the appointments. And, um, you know, I sent him lots of photos and that kind of thing, but he, you know, wasn't there for the ultrasound and that kind of thing. So for him, I think he just felt quite disconnected
0: from it. So had you started to believe that it was even real, I guess, without him being there, you know, you're just going along uh, week by week and you've seen the pregnancy test. And I guess if you're feeling sick or whatever symptoms you've got, that makes it a bit more real. Had you started to, to feel like it was real? From sort of the beginning, I started to feel like
1: it was real. And then with the first ultrasound, you know, I saw it and I thought, oh my gosh, it's so exciting. And I was really sick, so I had to tell my boss at work. Um, I wasn't really planning to tell anyone that early, but because I was very sick, I sort of had to tell him I said oh well actually I'm pregnant and so that again was another layer added that made it feel quite real because then people at work knew I was pregnant and so you know and then once we taught our family again that was another layer added and I thought okay, this is getting real and started growing a little bit and yeah it just started slowly begun to feel more real but Again, because my husband was away, he couldn't really see any of that. So Mm. he didn't connect the same way I did.
0: And then how did you know that something was wrong?
1: I never really felt anything physically. I didn't feel any cramps or anything like that. It was just initially I... It was a couple of days for uplift and I was packing up a few things and I had gone to the bathroom and noticed a bit of blood and I thought, oh, that's not good. So I did the worst thing anyone could possibly do and I Googled it, which didn't end great. But I was still, I was worried, but I kind of didn't want to tell anybody. So I thought, okay, I'll just, I'll just see for now. And then I started bleeding a little bit more and I thought, hmm. I should probably go get it checked just in case and then i was driving to the hospital we we luckily lived just down the road so i went in there and i just sat down with the triage nurse and i just couldn't help it i just burst into tears and told her what was happening and so she she took me through and and i started sort of experiencing some pretty bad cramps but they did a few blood tests and (laughs) They seemed quite confident that things were okay, but they said, look, there's not a lot we can do for you at this point. You're just going to have to wait for more blood tests to come back. So I laid in the hospital bed for a few hours and I fell asleep, I think for a little while. Um, but I went to the toilet again and I sort of started seeing some pretty significant blood clots. but they said, oh, it should be okay. You should be fine. Just just take some Panadol and go home. Also, I should mention it was Easter weekend. Um, and so a lot of Things were closed, and they said, "Oh, there's a clinic that you could probably go to for things like this, um, but it's not going to be open till Tuesday." And so I thought, "Okay, great." So I went home, and um, there was more and more blood, and more and more cramping, and I thought, "This is just not not normal." And so I called. I ended up calling my friend who I was with uh, the day I found out I was pregnant, and she raced over and took me to the to the main. Hospital in Sydney. And because it was Easter weekend, the emergency was extremely full. There were a lot of people there. They were short staffed on doctors, and the triage nurse was unfortunately pretty horrible to me. And I said to her, I think I might be having a miscarriage. And she said, well, do you know you're having a miscarriage? And that I just burst into tears. So I went in through to emergency and this really, really nice doctor came through with a sonogram machine. And he said, we don't actually have any sonographers on staff at the moment, but I can do it. But also I'm not a sonographer, so I don't know if I'm doing the right thing here. But I just knew as soon as he put that little wand on my belly that there was nothing there. But they were still convinced that it was okay. But I was like, I can't, you can't see anything. That doesn't look like the ultrasound I had last week. And so I was so dehydrated. I'd been crying. I hadn't eaten anything. And they were desperately trying to take blood from me. And I think it took about six tries on different parts of my arms for them to finally get some blood. And then they took out the cannula, put it back in. And I had to have so many blood tests and, and all of these people looking at me. And... Eventually the doctor came through and just said, I'm sorry you've lost your baby.
0: And had you tried to get in contact with your husband at that stage or did he know anything was happening?
1: I did send him an email because that was the only way we had contacted each other while he was away and I sort of thought he might see it, he might see and I just sort of emailed him and let him know what was going on and that I was in the hospital but you know, they think it might be okay. And this was sort of before I knew and then once it did happen i you know obviously couldn't call him i didn't know where he was and you know he didn't have any phone reception so i couldn't just phone him so i called the welfare helpline they knew what to do straight away and they got in contact with the ship and then somebody from the ship obviously told my husband and he called me and i was just crying i just i could barely speak and he he just didn't know what to say it was just so shocking because neither of us really you know, obviously there there were times where I thought, you know, hopefully this doesn't happen to me. But I was still, I think I was still quite a bit in shock that it was actually happening. And, you know, he just kept saying down the phone, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm not there. Sorry, this is happening kind of thing. And so I got in contact with the, the captain and just said, I need him to come home. I need him to come home now. And there wasn't, there was no two ways about it. I wasn't going to let them say no. You know, I would have moved heaven and earth for him to be home and luckily we had a great CO and a great XO who, who really advocated for us and advocated for my husband to come home um, as soon as he did.
0: Do you think that your husband processed what what had happened or what was happening even though he got to come home like he wasn't there when you found out you were pregnant or for any of the, the appointments and then he's coming home and you've had a miscarriage and then he goes back to the ship? I really don't think he did process any of it
1: like you know obviously he knew but I don't think he could really picture it in a really tangible way because he was away the whole time and by the time he got back I wasn't pregnant anymore so for him he'd never seen me you know while I was pregnant he couldn't process the fact that it all happened he wasn't there at the hospital he wasn't there with me while it was all happening and saw the pain that I was in and yeah I just I really don't think that he managed to process it at all.
0: When he came back off the ship Um, after he'd been able to come back and support you through it and sort of go through it with you, uh, were you able to talk about it or how has it been to be able to talk about it and and acknowledge it, I guess, because it was something that he wasn't there for and how hard has it been to be able to talk about it together?
1: I think he really struggled to identify his emotions around it and understand The loss, because he never really processed it in the first place, I think he really couldn't process the loss either because for him, nothing had really changed. But for me, it was this incredible loss because it, it was this child that I had bonded with for three months. It was a big part of my life and I had already started buying things and planning things. And, you know, to have that all ripped away was an indescribable loss. And I think that he just didn't know how to help me he didn't know what to say and I think a lot of people don't know what to say you know when someone says they've had a miscarriage they say I'm really sorry but other than that there's not a great deal that people can say you know I think people are scared of saying the wrong thing and I think my husband was the same he didn't want to say the wrong thing he didn't want to upset me even more and he was always the one who helped me and you know made me happy when I was upset and you know I was so upset that he just didn't know what to say or what to do and I remember you know being at my mum's house and just I was sitting out in the backyard and I was just sobbing because I just had this, you know, wave of emotion come over me. And I remember him saying to my mom, I don't know how to help her. And so it was hard for us to connect, you know, over this loss when I was feeling really, really deep in my grief and he just wasn't. And so I think he, he didn't know, yeah, how to be on the same level as me and how, you know, and I remember always feeling angry at him that he wasn't as upset as me you know, I was going through such a roller coaster of emotions that I thought, you know, why aren't you angry? Why aren't you upset? Why aren't you grieving? But, you know, the further I move away from it, the more I understand that he just didn't really grasp it in the first place. So he couldn't grasp the loss either.
0: Which is similar to having friends and family support you who haven't been through a miscarriage or or that type of loss. They can comfort you and and be there for you but they just never really get it on that level and even people that have been through something similar we all go through our own experiences with it obviously we can relate to each other but we are the ones that have to get ourselves through it like we are the ones that are experiencing it and you know had those emotions and the pregnancy test and the symptoms and saw the the scans and felt your body changing and all of that side of things. And we are the only ones that can get ourselves through it. And, you know, as much as people can support us and sympathize and be there for us, it is up to us, which is a hard thing to get your head around because it is such grief that you go through and trying to to pick yourself up out of it sometimes feels impossible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I remember, you know, at some points thinking I'm never going to be happy ever again. You know, this is going to ruin me forever. And sometimes I still feel that way. Um, I feel guilty for being happy when I should be sad or, you know, it's just riding that roller coaster of emotions where it's guilt and it's grief and it's, sadness and then you know happy that you had it for a short time but and then not being able to you know we tried for quite a while afterwards and not being able to fall pregnant again was just a bit of a punch in the gut because we thought you know are we ever going to have kids and I am currently struggling with infertility and it's it's just something that it, you just can't explain it.
0: You never get over it. You're not supposed to get over it, but you learn to live with the grief every day a little bit easier. So what was one of the most comforting things that someone did for you or said for you during that time that really helped you?
1: I had the chaplain come over from Cuttable and he came in and sat down and he just said, you know, we can talk or we don't have to. You know, I was, I was barely out of my pyjamas. I was an absolute mess you know, and there was no judgment. And he sort of explained, he said, look, this is what we can do to support you. We can have people, because obviously at that point, my husband wasn't home yet and I was there on my own. So they sort of said, oh, well, we can have people come over and check on you if you want. If you don't want that, that's okay. You can have people ring you or, and I just, this one thing he said stuck in my head. He said, you're going to be hit with this wall of support and you might not know what to do with it. And you might not know what you need, but that wall will be here if you need to lean on. And that was just that one thing that he said just made me feel so much better.
0: Just knowing that it's there and that you don't need to do anything with it if you don't want to, but it's there.
1: Yeah. And just not having that pressure
0: of let's
1: talk through it and let's do this and let's do that. You know, just saying we're here if you need us but there's no pressure.
0: Thank you so much for opening up and talking about this with us, Morgan, and, and telling us your story because obviously, I mean, it's not something that we all open up and share about, but once we do, it just makes it so much easier to cope with and to be able to, you know, for other people that maybe haven't been through it, to be able to listen to what their friends or family members that are going through it need or, or just be there for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, before it happened to me, I had no idea how common it is, you know, the statistics are one in four, but. When I open up, tell people, because I'm not really, you know, I'm not afraid to share it. It's not something that I keep a secret because it's really important to get it out there and get rid of that sort of taboo sense of it where it's a shameful thing. It's not a shameful thing, you know, is so common. It happens to so many women and it's not something to be ashamed of. It's something that we should be sharing and talking about and supporting other women in that because it is such a difficult thing. But, you know, the more we talk about it, the more we'll be able to support each other.
0: Well, welcome, Tony, to the Military Wife Life podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us about whether you and your partner had discussed having kids, how you were going to plan that around defense life and postings?
2: So, we had talked about having kids before he actually joined the Navy. It was something we had planned. Basically, since the day we met, I was very straightforward about the fact I wanted to have children. And when he decided he wanted to join the military, we talked about how that would fit in with our family life. The closer we got to it, we spoke about, because he's in the Navy, he would request a shore posting once the baby had come so he could be at home more. And he was going to try and like squeeze in as much uh, sea time as he could before the baby came.
0: So did you know going into wanting to get pregnant that you had fertility issues or was that something that you learned along the way?
2: That was something I found out in the very early stages of us trying to have a baby. I found out basically six months into us trying that I have polycystic ovarian syndrome and my particular case of it is quite severe. So we found out that that was going to be a hurdle going into it. But I was assured by a lot of doctors that because I'm young and relatively healthy, they didn't think it was going to be that much of a problem.
0: So how long did it take you to fall pregnant?
2: Three years. Well, almost three years.
0: So it's a long process. What was the day you found out you were pregnant like?
2: It was really kind of surreal because I feel like I didn't have the same experience that a lot of people have. Because of my polycystic ovaries, I have really irregular periods. So I'd been doing pregnancy tests probably on average once every eight weeks since I was about 16 years old. So I had in my fair time, you can think of the amount of pregnancy tests I went through. I'd had a couple of false positives before. So I kind of just dismissed it at first. And it wasn't until I started feeling like pregnancy symptoms and I did the tests every day and they were all coming back positive. Then I was like, I should probably go see the doctor and find out.
0: So once you realised that, oh, maybe I should go and see the doctor, what was the process from there? Like where and where was your partner during this time and how did you tell him?
2: I made a doctor's appointment. She sent me for a blood test. The first blood test came back basically inconclusive, so I had to have another one done. And it wasn't until then that I was confirmed pregnant and I was about four weeks at that point. And at that stage, Pete was at sea and I had told him that I had had a positive test or two, but because we'd been through so much, he was doing the same thing I was doing. And he was just like, okay, well, we'll wait and see. When the doctor confirms it, then we'll worry about it.
0: So once the doctor confirmed it, where to from there?
2: She sent me to a prenatal clinic up here at Darwin Hospital because the hormone levels I was showing, like confirmed that I was pregnant, but they were low for how she had dated the pregnancy. So I went and I had an internal scan at three and a half weeks. Obviously, the baby was very small at that point. I had another couple of weeks to go get a, another ultrasound at which point Pete was home. Five and a half weeks, I had that ultrasound and Pete could come with me at that point. So that was nice. We got to go to two ultrasounds together while I was pregnant. So it was nice to be able to share that with him because my first one had been in the prenatal clinic at the hospital and he wasn't home yet.
0: So what happened when I guess you and Pete went to that next scan and actually saw that there was a baby? Had you started to believe it?
2: Yeah, we had. It was surreal to me how quickly my symptoms had come on. That for me, obviously, feeling those, I was like, this is really real. I think it was at that scan that it became really real for Pete because he could actually see the baby. And I had a scan again another two weeks later, and the baby had a heartbeat. So that was what made it really real for him. And obviously, seeing me go through all my (laughs) pregnancy symptoms.
0: When did you start to feel like there might be something wrong?
2: So we had had a couple of scans. I had a scan at seven and a half weeks and everything was fine. The heartbeat was really strong. We had finally got like accurate dating because I had a regular period It was hard for them to date me. And I had had a holiday planned for a while. And I said to my doctor, like, I just want to check, like, I can still do this. Cause if I can't, I'll just cancel you wait to have a child for three years, you cancel the holiday. You know, (laughs) it's not really a thing that needs weighing up. She was like, no, 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 you're fine. And I was fine for the first couple of days. And then I kind of started to feel my symptoms go away. And I thought, oh, maybe this is because like, um, at that stage I was like 11 and a half weeks. Oh, maybe it's just because like I'm entering, like getting towards my second trimester. And a lot of people say that the symptoms change in between your trimesters. But I started feeling my symptoms go away. Like my breast started to feel normal again. I wasn't as like sensitive as I had been. And I was like, okay, I was trying to not panic myself and then I woke up one morning and I had just a couple of spots of blood in my underwear and I was like okay the doctor told me if anything happened like to be safe go to the hospital and get checked out and I went to the hospital and I got checked out and they said to me oh you probably just have a UTI a lot of women get UTIs during pregnancy like they just gave me medication for a UTI and and sent me home. And it wasn't until a couple of days later when I had a quite large, like fresh red bleed in the morning that I was like, okay, I need to go to hospital now. Something is wrong. I was like, I know this is not right. And so once you got to the hospital, what happened? Uh, I got admitted and had to obviously explain what was happening to triage and then a couple of other nurses. They took some just general bloods, asked me a lot of questions that they normally ask women who are miscarrying about pain and discharge and that kind of stuff. And because I felt perfectly normal, they weren't overly concerned. And it was only because I had such a high level of concern. And I basically said to them, like, please just give me an ultrasound so I can know that the baby's okay. I ended up waiting for about six hours. Before I got scanned, they did an external scan and they couldn't really see what was going on. So they then sent me to their like prenatal wing to have an internal scan. and when I had my internal scan, that was when I had found out that I miscarried.
0: And what was that time waiting for the ultrasound like? Did you call Pete in the meantime or did you were you waiting to see what was happening?
2: I had called Pete a couple of days before when I had had that first little bleed and I had let him know what was going on at that point. He was on holiday at his parents' place when all this was happening. So it sounds so silly, but... Like a lot of people know, until you're in this situation, you really can't, like, assess it. But I just wanted him to kind of, like, enjoy his time with his parents. So I hadn't called him that day. I actually didn't call him until after I had my internal scan and had found out what happened.
0: And what was it like being apart from Pete during that time?
2: It was really hard to be apart from him while it was happening because he's always been a really strong like support for me with emotional stuff just not having his like presence there while I was going through it just really felt awful I mean it's such a isolating experience and in the moment you you feel like no one can understand your pain
0: and to go through it with you because it's, it's his baby too
2: yeah and that's like it felt awful telling him, like, that was the worst, like, phone conversation I've ever had because I knew it was going to, you know, break his heart as much as it broke mine. And I was just really thankful that he was with his parents at the time so he could have some emotional support. And at that point, like, I just wanted to get home to be with him as fast as I could. Like, that was all I wanted after that.
0: And so were you able to travel back to be with him or did you have to stay near the hospital? Or how, how was that working?
2: Yeah, so they gave me uh, a couple of options, which um, when you just find out you've lost a baby, it's very hard to make decisions because obviously your brain's not running the show, your heart is. And um, they said they could either refer me for emergency surgery so I could get a, a DNC. And then I would be able to fly home within like 48 to 72 hours. Or I could choose to like go through with the miscarriage naturally, but sometimes that takes two to three weeks. And even then, if there's any complications, they have to perform surgery after that point. And I said, I just want to go home. So like, let's just do the surgery, have it be over with. So I went back in the next day at like 8am. That for me was just the fastest option to... Get to Pete. I was just so numb. I couldn't really process anything that was happening outside of the miscarriage. Um, when I walked in the door, he was waiting for me. And, um, while I was on my flight, he kept sending me pictures of we had two cats, and he kept sending me pictures of him playing with the cats to try and cheer me up. And when I got home, like it was so much more real because we were together. And, um, and I think I just cried for, like, three hours. Like, I could not barely form sentences to explain. He couldn't either. Like, it was, we just, like, cried and held each other for the longest time because we were just so heartbroken over losing this baby that we waited so long for and tried so hard for. It's hard to move on from something like that as quick as everyone expects you to. I don't think that you should have to move on. People were kind of like allotting this time for us to grieve and then, okay, like, you know, get back to work. And To To them, they sort of
0: just want to package it up into something that's, okay, that's complete. And now we don't have to engage in awkward conversations or painful. Yeah. Talk about it and make you upset or like, you know, and that's not the case. Like, you know, often talking about it is, makes you feel better about it you might get upset oh, yeah. but it makes you feel better but um yeah people don't know what to do with it like they just want it to yeah. be okay
2: i think uh, a lot of people just want to like feel like they fixed it or feel like it's fixed and they that it's packaged and it's finished and you can move on from it but
0: and it's even um, even to the point where they think oh okay like you know if you were to get pregnant or have another baby or oh okay well you you should be happy now cuz you know Don't need to worry about that now because that was that one and now, you know, you should be happy because you've got this perfect life sort of thing. But even moving forward, it never goes away. It's always there. You just cope with it better, like, as time goes on.
2: Oh, yeah. Like, we're coming up to um, almost a year now since it happened. And, like, yes, I handle it much better than I did. (laughs) And, um, you know, I can talk about it without crying as much as I Would have when it first happened, and I can have a conversation with people about it, but like, oh, it's not like I'll ever forget it or move on from it. Like, it's always a part of you, it's always in the back of your head.
0: Did either of you seek any um, support through any, like, through defense or through any other agencies for your mental health?
2: It wasn't until probably about three months after I miscarried that I like actively went to see someone about my mental health and talk to them about it because I didn't feel strong enough up until that point to have a conversation about it but now you know almost a year on like we are trying again which we return to all the other problems we have with trying to line up fertility calendars with when Pete's at home and that kind of stuff.
0: I guess the added layer of defense life is that Initially, you know, when you decide to start trying for a baby, you can plan it and line it up as much as possible. But when things happen like fertility issues and miscarriages and the, the bumpy road that is to becoming parents, sometimes it works out that, you know, you're having a baby when someone's about to be deployed or someone's about yeah. to be posted, like you, you just can't work it in with defense life sometimes.
2: Yeah, we've had friends in the Defence Force who uh, their partners have had children while they've been away, <laughs> they've been out at sea and they've gone into labour and it's just the case that they miss the birth of their child because that's how it happens in Defence a lot of the time.
0: And, of course, like, you know, obviously if you've been trying for three, four, five years, you know, you kind of don't care that they're not going to be there because you, you want that baby, but, you know, on the flip side is... They're the, the compromises you have to make because of defence and not having that control in your
2: life sort of thing. I didn't necessarily like the idea that Pete missed the first scan during my pregnancy, but I was also also like, well, I want to get the scan and I need to get it done now, so I guess he's going to have to miss it. Like, we surrender a certain portion of our lives to the control of the defence force And sometimes you just have to accept that, even if you don't like it, that's how it is.
0: Well, welcome, Rose, to the Military Wife Life podcast. Today, we're talking about miscarriage and various people's experiences with having a miscarriage. So were you trying for a baby or was it an unexpected surprise? Like how did your pregnancies
3: go? So I have been pregnant a total of seven times and I have three children. And so uh, the very first time I got pregnant, I was my um, oldest son and he is 12 and we were absolutely trying for a baby. We had decided that the time was right. And we tried, I think for like two months Got pregnant, had a baby. It was as straightforward as that.
0: And then what happened after that? So then my
3: story gets longer. So then we tried to have another baby and that's when I had my first miscarriage. My first miscarriage was, yeah, before my second son. And we had found out that we were pregnant just before my husband deployed to East Timor. So we were very excited and we thought that I was going to be pregnant while he was away, which I was like, okay, you know, that'll be really neat for him to come home and see me big and pregnant, you know, and then we'll have the baby not much longer after. But three weeks after he left, I miscarried while I was at work. Yeah, I'd been to the doctor and the doctor had said that he wasn't quite sure my HCG levels weren't as high as he had thought. And then, yeah, I just started leading at work.
0: So how did you go about, I guess, getting in contact with your husband? And, and how did you go through that while you were so far apart from each other?
3: It was quite difficult. Um, I remember I, of course, went straight home where I just cried, you know, cried and cried and cried while I was in bed. Um, I couldn't believe that it had happened. To be honest, I actually don't remember how I told him. I just remember my own grief as opposed to how he was or how he dealt with or anything, because he was so far away. It was all about me.
0: And I guess you you had to keep going because you had your older son there.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, I just had to sort of pick up the pieces. I think I might have got my mother in law to come and grab him for the night. But yeah, it was just one of those things that I almost actually put to the back of my head and was kind of like, oh, well, because I was only about seven weeks pregnant. I wasn't really pregnant, so it didn't count, which is how I think I dealt with that first one. I told myself it didn't count. For quite a few years, actually, if people had asked me about miscarriages, I would have said, oh, no, I haven't had one. That's how I dealt with it. In my opinion, I hadn't had one because I was only seven weeks pregnant. Of course I'd had
0: one. <laughs> like, And what was that like when you actually realized or sort of recognized it within yourself that you had?
3: It was probably when I had my other miscarriages. So I then went on to have my second son with no problems again. He was born and all that sort of stuff. And it was then when we were in Singapore that we decided we were going to have our third child when I started getting my next miscarriages. that I sort of actually realized that I never really dealt with the first one because I had told myself it wasn't a real miscarriage. I was kind of like, why did I do that to myself? Like, I never grieved for the, the baby that I lost or anything like that. I just told myself to be grateful for the baby that I've got and just move on. It was the way that I dealt with it.
0: I guess, how did your husband deal with it? Was it sort of like, as well, because he was so far away for the first miscarriage when he came back? It had been never, ever months spoke and months. About
3: it. Never spoke about it, ever, not once. We talk about the other ones, the ones that I had in Singapore, never, ever spoke about that first one.
0: And why do you think that is?
3: I don't know. I don't know if it was because he was so far away. We didn't deal with it together. So we both dealt with it in our own ways. And I guess maybe because I never brought it up because I had told myself it never happened. So he never brought it up. And then I guess you get busy with, you know, by then you've you've got your second
0: son, And you then had your um, second miscarriage. You've got two kids by that stage and you're, you know, in an international location. Yeah. Obviously you had decided to try for... Another baby while you're overseas. Can you tell us about when you found out you were pregnant?
3: Third baby, absolutely over the moon. You know, it was it was our plan. We were going to have a baby in Singapore while we had our uh, our maid living with us, and it was going to be amazing. You know, and everything was going to plan. And so I went for my twelve week scan. I was at the hospital. They don't have a special scanning place. You had I actually had to go into the women's ward where all the pregnant women were. And so I went by myself because it was just a routine scan. You know, my husband didn't even go. He was even at home. He wasn't even at work that day. So I went in, um, lay down. They, you know, put the scanner on me and all that sort of stuff. And they asked me to go to the toilet and empty my bladder. So I went and did that, not thinking anything of it. And when I got back in there, there was a second uh, technician person. And they put the scanner thing back on me and showed me that my perfectly formed baby had no heartbeat. So I could see in the picture honestly, this perfectly formed baby, you know, it had a head, all that sort of stuff, but there was just no heartbeat. So yeah, never in a million years did I think that that was going to happen. So of course I was absolutely distraught. So I head out into the, they tell me to head out into the waiting room and they will call my name and let me know what to do from there. And so I call my husband in hysterics. All these women are looking at me, you know, we're in Singapore. So none of these women Approach me or ask me if I'm okay or anything. I just sit there, absolutely a blubbering mess, telling my husband that there was no heartbeat. I then had to text my in laws, who I had just dropped off for lunch because I was meant to go meet them for lunch afterwards. Yeah, and so then they found my doctor, and my doctor pulled me into an office. And her being Singaporean, she was very blunt just straight to it saying you know look this is what's happened there's no point doing a you know a test on it to find out what was going on it's happened there's nothing you can do about it what do you want to do do you want to have the surgery to get rid of it or do you want to get rid of it naturally and I was like let's do the surgery you know I don't want to have to go through any sort of miscarriage sort of like two days later booked in and had the surgery and
0: yeah. <laughs> and so how did you go about, I guess, recovering and coping with that while you're away from friends and family? And obviously you had had your friends that you'd made.
3: So they were actually very good. Um, there was a couple of people, you know, because we told everybody because when I thought about my first two pregnancies, you know, because of course, I never had that first miscarriage that I just had babies. I didn't understand why I was having a miscarriage. And so I told everybody, you know, that we were having a baby. So I then did tell everybody what had happened and they were all actually really lovely and it was when I told people that people went oh I've been through that as well and I was like oh wow okay you know I had no idea that that many women had gone through it because I'd never spoken about it before but yeah my husband was was really supportive and we sort of we worked through it together and we just kept saying to ourselves you know we've got two beautiful children we know we can do this you know we'll try again it's okay kind of.
0: Do you feel like your husband processed it and coped with it obviously you guys kind of like put the first one to the back yeah. of your minds but how was it different coping with the, I the second one? I definitely
3: think it was harder on me. He sort of said you know that the hardest thing for him about the miscarriage was watching me go through it um, he said to him that you know the baby wasn't overly real to him yet because I wasn't showing it all. We hadn't seen it. And it was still, you know, only 12 weeks or whatever. And so it still wasn't real to him.
0: He then had to, I guess, go back to work and... and Go back to his normal life.
3: Yeah, but I think it was okay for him, you know, because like I said, he didn't, it wasn't as real for him as it was for me. So, how
0: were you feeling about going into deciding whether to try again now that I guess the second miscarriage had really registered?
3: Excellent, high alert, like, oh my God, what if this happens again? So, then of course, got pregnant again and then I miscarried. So my husband was actually at a change of command ceremony and I was out with a girlfriend and all of a sudden I was doubled over in pain and we had to go up to the information counter and... She called me an ambulance and I was actually taken by ambulance to the women's hospital where again, being in an Asian country, they just left me there. They then did an examination on me and told me that the pains were probably an early miscarriage. And I was kind of like, no, you know, you can't prove that sort of thing. And I think I thought that everything was okay. And then I think I went for another scan and everything was not okay. Yeah, and had to have a DNC for that one as well. But yeah, so my poor husband got a phone call in the middle of a change of command serum and had to leave the change of command ceremony. And then we decided, we were like, oh, this can't happen again. Like, no way, like, or is this gonna keep happening? So we tried again. And that's when, for me, the fear sets in. I think that every single time I go to the toilet, I'm gonna see blood. I almost don't wanna go to the toilet because I see blood. And with that one, I actually, I miscarried at work again. I'd gone to the toilet. And what do you know? Found blood. Rung a girl I worked with and said, "You need to get my stuff. I have to go." Rung my husband, who was on the other end of the island, to me and said, "You need to come and get me and take me to the hospital." And then I bled out naturally for that one, and the bleeding, you know, lasted a good couple of days, and it was awful to watch your baby disappear like that. Like, even though I wasn't, I was probably only about eight or nine weeks, but to watch. That happened was yeah it was quite soul-destroying you know and I was an absolute wreck by that stage I remember just crying my eyes out and my husband said to me we're not doing it again he's like we're just not he's like I'm not watching you go through that (laughs) I'm not watching you go through that you know and at the time he's like we've got two beautiful children you don't need to do this to yourself and at the time I agreed with him and said, yeah, okay, I don't think we should either. Maybe we could try again when we get back to New Zealand because obviously Singapore is not the place for us to have children. We've tried. It's not going to happen. But you can't turn off the feeling of wanting to have another kid, you know, so My husband doesn't, doesn't get that, you know, I kind of said to him, I was like, you know, I can't turn that off. I can't say, oh, we're definitely not having any more children because I will forever want another one if we don't have one.
0: And I guess on the flip side, it is that while you have gone through the pain of having multiple miscarriages, you've also gone through the joy of feeling two babies kick and move and grow. And
3: yep. Absolutely. And so I just had to keep telling that to myself, you know, I've got two beautiful boys, you know, if I don't end up with any more children, it's okay. I might not be able to turn off that feeling of having another one. But if I can't have another one, then I'll give the two that I've got even more love than what I had before sort of. Yeah. Mm But then, so after my third miscarriage, well, fourth technically, I never got my period. And so when I was at work one day, I was like, I'm going to go and do a pregnancy test. And uh, there was no result. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, that's okay. But while I was walking back to work, I took another sneak. And the test said positive. And I was like, oh, that wasn't part of the plan. But yeah, so I sent a text message to my husband and said, whoops. So I um, I just assumed I was going to lose it by that stage. You know, that fear had set in. Every time I went to the toilet, I thought I was going to bleed. So I had become part of a, um, a Facebook support network for women who were trying to get pregnant and who had had multiple miscarriages. It was Singapore-based. And one of the people had asked about, you know, can you recommend a specialist? And so I actually had an appointment with a specialist booked in a couple of weeks. And so I went and saw this guy and he's like, so that's not normally how we do it. Normally we like to test you before you get pregnant. I'm (laughs) like, it wasn't my plan, you know. But then in order to keep that baby, we did everything medically possible. I injected myself every night into my stomach with blood thinners I used to get this really awful um, injection in my bum once a week Um, I was on about eight different types of medication that I used to have to take sort of three times a day and all this sort of stuff just to make sure that this baby stuck. And she did. We got our third child, and I definitely don't want any more. So, yeah.
0: I guess, what was that feeling like when she finally arrived? Because, as anyone who's had a loss knows, even if it was early on in the pregnancy, you are on edge until you actually see that living baby is here and even then you don't even really believe it sometimes
3: right up until the day she was born I was convinced that that we would lose her you know especially when I found out that it was a little girl I'd always wanted a little girl and so I tell myself these days that she was meant to be my baby those other babies I believe were boys and so I was meant to have my little girl um, and I was meant to have this little girl it's kind of how I get through knowing about those other miscarriages is telling myself that they weren't the babies that were meant for me
0: do you think that if you hadn't have gotten pregnant with your little girl and gone on to have a baby after your miscarriages that coping with the miscarriages would have been a different story
3: yeah most definitely if I had continued to have miscarriages or we had made the decision to not have a third child, I always would have felt like there was something missing in my life. And I definitely think that I would have been a lot more angry at my miscarriages, I think, over the years. And maybe even, I think, blamed myself. You know, what did I do wrong? This must have been my fault. Because you Mm -hmm. certainly have those thoughts while you're going through the miscarriages. It it can only be my fault. It's my body that's done this.
0: So have you got anything that you would... Want to say to anyone who may have also been through miscarriages or you know are still trying for a baby after having miscarriages?
3: I think uh, my thing is for me, it's okay to talk about it. You know, um, again, you're not alone, there's so many women who have had them, and that's what I realized when I started talking about it. Uh, you know, I was just in a car with a woman and she'd be like, oh, I've had two or I've had three, you know, some woman I've had six and you've got no idea, you know, you've got no idea that they're going through it. So talk about it. Um, it's okay to talk about, make it part of general conversation. I was reading a book when I was having my miscarriages that the amount of things that have to align in order for you to have a healthy baby is red ridiculous like a hundred million things have to happen in order for you to get pregnant you know and your body has to do them all at the same time and so you've just got to remember that it's okay to talk about it and it's okay to be sad there's lots of us out there that have all been there and know exactly how you feel
0: well thank you so much for coming on and talking about your experience rose and all that goes with Miscarriage and then trying for a baby after, and and multiple miscarriages, and having that faith that you know it'll happen for you because, yeah, like you said, a hundred million billion things have to happen for it to all align. And gosh, we're amazing. This is Emily's story today. We are talking about miscarriage and this is something that you have experienced recently. When you experienced your miscarriage, had you spoken about kids and pregnancy and and I guess in general how all of that would fit in with Defence Life and postings? How did you approach that with your husband?
4: We never really had a set plan of where we would have kids and what posting we wouldn't and I don't know we just kind of went with the flow um we got married in 2015 and were posting at the end of that year anyway so we decided that once we moved um we would start because it was no point starting prior to the wedding and then moving and then all the stuff that comes with doing that then we had our first we had no intention of having a second straight away and then Um, When our son was about five, six months old, we decided, oh, stuff it, let's do it again Um, because we were under the impression that we would be in Darwin for a further year after that. And then our daughter was a fluke. She happened first time. So we were going to have a 15-month age gap. So I found out I was pregnant on New Year's Day when my husband returned to work after the Christmas shutdown period About a month into that, I think, end of Feb, he found out that he would be deploying in May. So I decided to move back down to Perth for support. So even if we had planned defence through spanners in the work in event.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, let's just do this again. And then you're like, oh, and throw a deployment. Yeah. In so we're like, oh, fun. we'll be in
4: Darwin for another 12 months, 18 months. It's all good. We know like Darwin, we know how to have a baby in Darwin. And then that just went out the window anyway. So when deciding on to have a third, which ended in the miscarriage, um, we decided to wait till we had moved to Canberra. And so that we sort of had our footing, we could assess how busy the posting was and whether it would work and if we were ready or not. So I suppose in that respect, we looked forward in terms of somehow protecting ourselves against the defence spanners. Once you'd sort of felt Canberra out, what was your process in, okay, let's try for the third baby? Initially, we sort of waited to when the due date would be towards the end of the year. So you're looking at December, January, where you've got that stand down period anyway. So we sort of sort of worked back from that.
0: So can you tell me about the day that you found
4: out you were pregnant with your third? We had been trying for two months, which was not long at all. And I just had this suspicion. I'd been a bit sort of nauseous, took a test the day after Anzac Day, and it had the lightest of light lines. And I thought, oh, okay, I'll just see. And given that it was post-ANZAC day, my husband wasn't in the greatest of spaces. (laughs) Um, So I thought best not tell him anything when his brain can't compute it. Um, And so I tested again the next day and um, it was definitely darker and it was definitely there. So it was kind of like, oh my God, this has happened quickly. Like, I think I started to already doubt it at that point and go, oh, is this too quickly? Like, it seems too easy. But I was so you know obviously happy was what we wanted it would have been a january due date which was perfect for leave periods so it was definitely a feeling of oh my gosh it's work like relief and you know it's worked it's kind of the plans kind of worked as much as we can in terms of when we wanted to due date and all that sort of stuff. So it was definitely a feeling of thankfulness that it had happened so quickly as well.
3: So how
0: did you end up telling your partner once he had sort of come out of his most anzac day haze and your friends and family? Did you tell your friends and family or were you waiting?
4: No, we didn't. So I am not very interesting. I just told my husband standing in the kitchen, um, as you do, I get too excited. I can't keep things secretly. I couldn't have done massive announcement. I just wanted to blurt it out. So we had discussed not telling anyone initially because it will. we thought it would be our last pregnancy. And we wanted to just sort of, you know, stay in that little bubble of happiness and excitement and just keep it to ourselves for that little bit longer. And then especially being away from family, there was no chance that it would need to come out from going to an event or anything like that because... We weren't seeing anyone and this was obviously peak COVID with no flying or anything like that. So what happened from there? Did you have
0: to go and confirm it with the doctor? How did you check in and and see that everything was progressing?
4: So I became a bit pregnancy test obsessed because the line wasn't overly dark and with my other babies they had always been sort of dark from the get-go and I just put that down to the fact that I'd never tested earlier with them so I had to take my son to the doctor because he was unwell. And I thought I'll oh, stuff it. I'll just book myself in anyway and get the bloods taken. So I got my initial bloods done. And when the tests came back, my um, level was quite low. So my doctor got me to do a follow-up blood test on the Friday. And that was still low, but it had progressed in the right time frame. So she wasn't too concerned and didn't want me to do any more sort of follow-up tests. And then... We had decided to go private again. So I booked in with an obstetrician in Canberra. The blood tests kind of threw me a bit of another spanner, I suppose, because I'd never had low test results with my previous pregnancies. Um, so I think at that point I started to get quite concerned that there was something wrong and that, you know, maybe it was all too easy. And my husband, ever the optimistic one out of us two, was like, you know, you've got no reason to be concerned. You know, everything's always been fine beforehand. So I sort of tried to let myself just become comfortable with everything. Mm. Um, and the doctor also wasn't concerned because I'd had no cramping or bleeding up until this point. Um, so she figured that perhaps I had just ovulated a bit later and that I had just caught the pregnancy when I had tested at home.
0: I guess everyone else is telling you everything's fine but you've got a little bit of doubt in your
4: mind, because it's just different to the other yeah. pregnancies. I definitely had waves of, you know, feeling hopeful and excited and then going, well, hang on, what is happening? Because it is, it's such an unknown period in pregnancy. You you don't feel any baby kicks, you don't feel movement, you don't see a bump, you know, it's such that period where you don't know what's happening inside your body. And so, I would fluctuate. I think that's the best way to put it. I would have periods of being really tired and feeling really sick. And I'd be like, okay, well, this is good because this is what I felt in previous pregnancies. So maybe everything will be okay. And then, I don't know, the little doubt would sink in and you'd be like, okay, well, maybe not.
0: How did you know something was wrong eventually when when something happened?
4: I was, just went out shopping on a Saturday morning to grab the boring milks and bread essentials for the weekend came back and um, just went to the toilet and when I wiped there was a bit of pink, bright pink blood and my heart just sank. I just knew that that wasn't right and just came out to my husband and just started bawling my eyes out. I think he was like, what the hell's going on, you crazy woman? Um, (laughs) And then because we had just moved here, I didn't know what services were in Canberra. Um, So we had just posted away from our home location. And I knew what hospitals were there, the women's hospital. Like I just would have felt more comfortable with knowing where to go and what to do for help. So once I saw that initial spotting, I just felt a bit sort of unsure, but knew that something wasn't quite right. I guess
0: like when you're in a new location, what do you even do? Do you just Google it or like, what do you
4: much. I just started Googling my little heart out. I am in some Canberra mum's Facebook groups and also the Defence Canberra's Facebook group and just searched in there for early pregnancy or miscarriage and not a lot was coming up. Um, And so it was just Googling as well and not a lot was coming up either as to what to do or where to go. And being a Saturday, you know, not many places are actually even open on Saturdays. So I remembered that my GP did actually open on a Saturday. So I rang there and spoke to The receptionist and I asked if they had any appointments left for the day, and he said no. And I just sort of explained my situation, and he said he would chat to the doctor and get back to me. Poor guy felt a bit sorry for me because I burst into tears and he didn't know how to handle me. (laughs) So, anyway, the GP who was on that day ended up calling me back later on in the morning and just chatted through what had happened with me and said that on any other day she would get me to come in and just give me a physical examination, send me off for an urgent ultrasound and get bloods taken and that sort of stuff. But given it was a Saturday and nothing was open, um, she recommended that I attend the emergency department um, at the local hospital to just get sort of once over, they would be able to do some blood tests. She did mention that they probably wouldn't be able to do an ultrasound there on the spot, but they also might do one, but they would definitely take bloods and sort of give a starting point as to having a look as to what was going on. Um, She's, you know, reminded me that spotting in early pregnancy can be normal. So at that stage we chucked the kids in the car and my husband drove me down to the hospital and then went home with the kids. And so ended up in emergency for about two hours where basically got shuffled between rooms and waiting rooms and repeating stuff and just waiting around. And eventually they came back with my HCG levels, which had dropped to 194, which for six and a half weeks pregnant, I knew in that instant was too low and that the pregnancy was not viable. So she, the doctor, bless her soul, was obviously young and quite inexperienced and had no idea what to really say to me and was saying that, you know, we can't tell what's happening a one blood test. And I was like, yeah, but I can. And I can tell you that for six and a half weeks pregnant, I should have higher HCG than 194. So at that stage, I was discharged from emergency, told that the early pregnancy unit would ring me on Monday with a follow-up appointment and see me. But I knew in that moment that it wasn't right and that I was losing the baby so that was really hard to deal with in the middle of a waiting room full of people <laughs> bawling my eyes out probably thought I was a crazy lady in the corner so then my husband had to wake my poor daughter up chuck her back in the car drive another 20 minutes back to the hospital to come pick me up and it was the longest car drive home How were you feeling about being at the hospital by yourself? I think had we had someone in the location who could have watched our children, my husband would definitely have been there next to me. He hated the fact that he had to leave me, I suppose. Not that he left me, but you know what I mean? Like just drop me off and go. And so it was a really hard thing to do, to just sit there, you know, not knowing what was going on. It was really just such a lonely feeling, especially when I think I already knew what it meant because I had already had the previous low levels. I'd never had any spotting in previous pregnancies. And I just, I felt like my gut feeling was right. So just knowing what was going to happen and just being alone, was just really, I don't even know if difficult to the right word. It was just really lonely. And just you're like, how is this even happening? Yeah. How is this happening in a new location with no one around? And, you know, things might've been different had COVID not being kicked off because you know you get the opportunity to mingle with other people who have also posted in and make friends that way, but we hadn't even had that because, you know, come March, the whole place was no one was going anywhere. So we never had that opportunity to make a connection anyway. You know, you just don't have that option for relief to just go be alone because you still have to parent, you still have to function and you don't have someone there to fall back to. What was that
0: weekend like? And
4: um, so the following day, um, I started bleeding more heavily and passed um, quite a few clots and had significant cramping. You just know, like there was no questioning that something else was happening. Um, I just knew that that was that it was a miscarriage and that um, it wasn't just simple spotting. Well, once that sort of started and I knew that that's what was happening, I rang and spoke to my mum and my sister, um, who I'm quite close with, just to sort of say it out loud to someone other than my husband because, you know, obviously you can only talk so much to the one person about the same thing who's also struggling to deal with it because whilst I may be the one physically experiencing all the symptoms, he's still losing the baby as well. And I think that that's sometimes what people forget is that it's not just the mum who's lost the child. It's also the father. So having someone else to sort of just say it out loud to was really helpful. And then come Monday, I booked in with my GP through a telehealth phone call, just to ask what the next steps would be. Um, And she said, just to wait to hear from the hospital because she'd seen, so they had sent their, like basically the referral back to them. They will track the levels back down to zero, might get me in for an ultrasound to make sure that there's nothing retained, but just to wait and hear from the hospital. So I waited till the Wednesday and I still hadn't heard anything and it was just a terrible kind of thing like what do I do? I'm in so much nimbo. I just want to know what the next steps are so that I can adjust my mind and, you know, just focus on the next step and then the next step and the next step. And I eventually found, after a lot of Googling, I found a phone number for the early pregnancy assessment unit and left a message. She rang me back almost instantaneously and said, I'm so sorry, we've never received your referral. And she was really lovely and it just explained that she would set me up with some blood tests.
0: And so how have you both been working through it together? Have you spoken about it
4: or how have you... I guess, move forward? I think it's going to forever be a sort of adjustment period. Um, We have been talking about it a lot and that definitely helps for me personally. I think it also helps him a little bit in terms of understanding where my head's at and the support that I need all the support that I can give him. It just acknowledges that it was real and that it hurts and that, It's okay to, you know, be sad, even if it was only for a short period of time. I think it is so important to remember that it was nothing that you did. It seems like such a simple thing to say, but I know in those initial days, I blamed absolutely everything that I had done wrong. You know, like all those food restrictions that you get told about in your first pregnancy by the time my second rolled around, I was like, oh, I'll just have a little bit. And then by the third, I'll be like, yeah, I'll be right. It's my third pregnancy and I'll have that soft serve. And then, you know, I sat there and was like, should I not have had that? That seems so ridiculous to think at back now. But at that moment, you're so consumed with guilt that you had done something wrong. It was something that you did because it's your body, you know, and you're meant to keep your baby safe from harm. So I think remembering that there's nothing that you've done wrong well,
0: welcome, Jess, to the Military Wife Life podcast. Thanks for coming on.
5: Not a problem.
0: So had you and your husband spoken about kids and, you know, trying for babies in relation to defence life and postings and how that would work?
5: We didn't really chat about it in regards to how it would work with um like defence life or postings or anything like that. But as soon as he got home from that first trip, he was like, I want children. I was like, okay, well, you're going to marry me first. (laughs) How did your pregnancy go with your first? So um, the first one was the miscarriage.
0: And so was your husband with you or was he away for work? Like where was he?
5: He was home at the time, luckily.
0: So how did you tell your husband? Like was he there with you or...?
5: Actually, he had duty the day that I found out. So I did a test on like a Friday morning and then um, I I wanted to tell him face to face. When I actually did the pregnancy test, I cried because I didn't know if I was ready or not. But we'd been trying for about 12 months.
0: So it had been, you know, a fair while in in the process.
5: Well, it was sort of on and off trying because he went away for trips and stuff like that. So, you know, yeah, that makes it a little bit harder.
0: As much trying as you can do when your husband's home. What happened after you took the test and you found out you were pregnant? Did you then have to go to the doctor and confirm it? How did that work?
5: So at the time, I didn't have like a proper GP. I just went to like a bulk billing clinic. They didn't even do a pregnancy test or anything like that. Because I said I'd done like three of them already and they were all positive and they just sent like, they just gave me the referral to go and get a scan and they told me to get it done at around nine weeks.
0: When you went to that scan, you were expecting to see like a heartbeat or what were you expecting when you went to that
5: scan? We were both expecting to see a baby or something in there and, you know, possibly a heartbeat and stuff. But yeah, it came up on the screen and we both kind of looked at each other and were like, hmm isn't there supposed to be something in there? And um, she went off and spoke to someone else and then came back in and was like, look, you really need to go to your GP this afternoon. So I went back to the GP that afternoon and they sort of confirmed all the results and I didn't believe it at the start. So basically what happened was There was a sack there, but there was nothing inside. So it's called um, a blight of ovum. Um, And I didn't actually know that that could happen. But yeah, it was pretty gut-wrenching at the time. So they actually told me to go to the emergency department the next morning. So that was the day that we were moving into our new house as well. So my husband couldn't actually come with me because he had to stay at home to do the uplift.
0: I guess you you know he drops you off at hospital and were you did you know what was going to happen when you went to emergency like what were they what were you getting done at emergency?
5: I I didn't actually know. I drove myself because my husband couldn't leave the house and we were literally moving around the corner from where we were because we were in a DHA house. And we just bought our house. Presented to emergency and I said, look, this is what's happening. I think I'm having a miscarriage. I you know, got the scan yesterday and they just told me to come in here to confirm it, basically. So I sat in emergency for uh, three hours and they had like doctors come over and confirm the scans and everything like that. And I still didn't believe it. So I actually requested another scan, but that couldn't get done until between Christmas and New Year. So about a week after.
0: So what was that week like over Christmas waiting for that appointment?
5: tough we just went to a friend's house for Christmas day because we had no friends we had no family here so yeah we just went there and I was a bit lost to be honest I took some time off work because like I went into work between Christmas and New Year and I was like you know this is said to my boss this is what's happening so I just need to take some time off and this is all because my birthday as well was on the 2nd of January and it was my 30th so Luckily, I had nothing planned because I just wouldn't have been able to do anything and um, my body didn't actually discharge of it naturally so I needed to go in for a DNC which happened on the 3rd of January, so about two weeks after.
0: So before your scan, had you told friends and family about your pregnancy or had you just kept it between
3: yourselves?
5: We told a fair bit of our family actually. So, um, yeah, it was really tough then having to call them again and say, look, this is, it's just not happening. (laughs) I think my husband's side of the family understood a little bit more because they've had a little bit more experience in it. My mum didn't understand it all. She, She just thought, you know, people get pregnant and it just happens, but it just didn't happen for us the first time.
0: And how did they explain what had happened to you? Like, is it a fairly common occurrence or how does how does something like that happen?
5: Well, the way that they explained it to me originally was it was like a missed step in the process, but there's no actual explanation of why these things happen. But since it's happened, I have found, a, you know, a couple of other people who have gone through the same thing as me. I, like, I, I really didn't know that that could happen.
0: And then what, so your husband just goes back to work the next day or were you, did you take time well, <laughs> together to, how did how did you, he support you?
5: Yeah, so he was supposed to go to sea like two days after that and um, the day that I was having the DNC, he was actually supposed to go into work as well but he went into work and told his boss what was happening because he he was, you know, he was pretty distressed about the whole thing he was worried about me he was upset about everything that happened and then they said basically go home and they told him not to sail for the first part of the trip and he was to fly down to sydney and they would pick him up from sydney which was about a week later i had to go back to work two days afterwards
0: so he got more time off than you did (laughs) that's that's a really odd occurrence for defense (laughs) (laughs) i know So, I mean, what did it mean to you guys to actually be able to have him home and to have Defence be understanding and allow him to have that time?
5: It made things a little bit easier, but at the time I didn't realise it affected me as much as what it did. So I created this thought in my head that how can you miss something that was never there to start with? So I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. It wasn't until probably three or four months later that I was like, okay, I'm actually not okay. And then that's when we decided to do something about it.
0: And so what kind of help did did you look
5: for? So through my work, we could have access to free psychologists and stuff like that. So we actually went to a couple of sessions. I did one by myself. I think my husband did one by himself and then we did one together. I don't really think about it that often these days. But when it actually happened, I didn't realise how common it was. The more people I spoke to, the more people told me that they had had one. And that was really reassuring for me because then I sort of realised that, hey, I'm not actually doing this alone. I've got other people who um, I can speak to about it it's a real taboo subject, like a lot of people don't talk about it.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about this, Jess. So hopefully it'll help other people going through something similar or, you know, at least they've heard about what people go through. So if in the future they were to go through something similar, they know that there are other people out there that have also been through it. This is Brooke's story. So, Brooke, had you spoken about kids and pregnancy and how that would fit in with Defence Life and postings in your situation?
6: We had very much wanted to grow our family, but I don't know that we really took into consideration the Defence Life aspect or how that may change our journey to falling pregnant and everything that would come after that. So were you trying for a baby or was it unexpected? We were very much trying. We were trying before um, my husband joined Defence and then through all of our pregnancies, we have been trying. Can you talk us through your journey to becoming pregnant? So we already had a daughter when we joined Defence and that was a very straightforward, almost boring pregnancy because it all went so easily. And we'd had two losses before her. And then after my husband joined defense, we've had two losses since, and I'm currently 34 weeks pregnant. So we've had six pregnancies overall.
0: Once your husband had joined defense and you had moved for his training and you had your daughter, Nicole, can you tell us about the day you found out you were pregnant with your next pregnancy?
6: Yeah, so we had just moved to Canberra in mid-January and I found out at the end of January that I was pregnant again. Luke was away at his initial training, so I had to wait until he could call me for me to be able to tell him that it was positive. That was a very long wait. I... Kept myself very busy by making sure I bought all of the big sister shirts and tried to find cute big sister outfit for Nicole. Did you
0: go into finding out you were pregnant with any hesitation because you'd had those two losses before you had Nicole?
6: Yes, I think just a, one of our earlier pregnancies was an ectopic pregnancy. So Luke and I are always super conscious of the fact that as soon as I find out I'm pregnant, we have to get ultrasound straight away to make sure it's in the right spot to avoid another ectopic pregnancy so we were very excited but there was also this minor element of is it in the right spot and is it going to be okay
0: once you found out that you were pregnant what did you do did you go straight to the doctor how did that work obviously because you had a young child
6: already and Luke was away I went straight to the GP and got blood tests done to confirm it. Luckily, that'll happen before Luke calls. So I was able to definitely tell him I was definitely pregnant. Blood tests had confirmed it. So that was great. So once you did finally get to talk to Luke, what was his reaction? He said he was so excited. And from what I've heard, he told just about, Everyone he met that day that I was pregnant and we were going to have another baby. Was it fairly straightforward? Did you start having any morning sickness? Oddly enough, I was getting afternoon sickness. Um, Whereas Nicole, I would have morning slash all day sickness. But after about a week or two, I started spotting and I realized that this wasn't perhaps entirely normal. So I'd gone back to get another blood test. And before I could get the results of that blood test, I lost that pregnancy. Were you
0: at home when that started or did the doctor let you know what was happening? Like
6: what happened? I was popping to Woolies before I went to the GP and I just went to the toilet and as it is in those shopping centers, it's a very small cubicle. So it was just Nicole and I and the cubicle stuck there. And that's when I realized that I was bleeding. And I kind of, from the bleeding that I had worked out that this was probably the end of this pregnancy, but I didn't feel like I could express that at the time because it was just Nicole and I stuck in a public toilet cubicle. So yeah, I just kind of had to continue on quickly do our grocery shopping and then by the time I made it to the GP she'd said my HCG had already dropped and obviously I already knew that because I believe I'd already lost the baby by then.
0: Did you have any family support or friends in the location that you were and how did you talk to Luke about that while he was away?
6: So we didn't have any family there and because we'd only moved to Canberra maybe two three weeks beforehand the people I had met then were probably just acquaintances rather than friends I wasn't really sure who to speak to or how to talk to anyone about it so that was challenging but because Luke had announced to everyone where he was that I was pregnant some of those partners had rang their partners and told them that I was pregnant. So, um, I mean, one case, one other spouse came up to me con- to congratulate me, but by the time it had got through the rumour mill, I'd already lost the baby. So, although she came up to congratulate me, it was kind of good because it gave me a chance to actually talk to someone face to face about it. And when it came to talking to Luke, um, it was probably a week or so after I told him I was pregnant that I rang him and said things are not quite right. And he was like, Don't worry about it. It'll be right. It'll be fine. And then the next phone call, a couple of days later, I had to say, no, like I've, I've, I've lost it now. And he probably didn't understand or he couldn't be there for me. So he reached out to the Padre where he was outfield to see whether the Padre could come visit me and try and get more phone calls between us just for that week or two while we kind of worked out what was happening and I guess tried to be together as much as we had to be apart. And what sort of support did you get from the Padre? We would say no support from the padre um he did come to visit me but he kind of said some things that i didn't feel were correct some things along the lines of luke's too busy to think about you right now and it was only because we have been married for so long and we have such a stable relationship that i knew that wasn't true that there is no way that luke is regardless of how busy he was there is no way that he is not taking a couple of minutes in that day to think about me and nicole and the baby we had just lost. But the Padre did allow Luke to have extra phone access for a couple of minutes so I could give him the all clear that the miscarriage had been complete and that there was no expected long-term effects because of it.
0: How were you feeling that you coped with that? Did you just go into sort of autopilot and this is what I've got to do, this is the next step and I've just got to make it through until Luke gets back? Like, how were you approaching that? Because that's... Obviously, you know, you don't have any close friends or family. Luke can't just come back. And then you've got the padre telling you that you need to let your husband
6: focus on what he's doing. How were you coping? I think I went into autopilot and I do know that I spent maybe a day folding plastic bags. And i that's all I remember for about a day or two is just, I just needed a mind numbing activity to keep my hands busy and obviously Nicole was keeping me busy as well but I just I very much think I just brushed it off and put it with one in three or one in every four women have a miscarriage so I kind of just went yep this was my fourth pregnancy that makes me one in four you know like I tried to logically brush that aside and not really allow myself to think about that loss too much. Was that
0: the same story when Luke got home or did you sort of allow yourself to think about it and talk about it with him?
6: So he didn't come home until mid-March and then he was only home for about 72 hours before he had to go again. So I didn't approach it then, but when he eventually came back for much longer, we did speak about it, but even still then that was probably... A couple of months later that I really tried to explain to him the aspects of it that I perhaps wasn't dealing with. I could deal with the loss of the baby, but not what I did with it, I guess. um, Like how there was no finalisation, there was no... No funeral, no, we didn't light a candle. We didn't do anything to kind of finalise that pregnancy. It was just kind of, it happened and life went on. And I think eventually Luke and I really did speak about that. But yeah, it took a long time before I guess he was home enough and our relationship was strong and stable enough for me to feel like I could really talk to him about it without him suddenly having to leave again while I was vulnerable.
0: And so how did you move forward with, because he's obviously going to be in defence for quite some time. It's his career. How did you move forward without having a negative view about Defence?
6: As much as there was the negative aspect of what Defence was doing for Luke as well, he was able to speak to other serving members, other men who had experienced losses and some significantly greater than us. And yeah, I guess a part of me also kind of thought, well, that's perhaps one person or one group of people's opinion that defense comes first but there's also these people in defense who are very pro-family and very much understand that there is a time to be a soldier and there is a time to be a husband and a father.
0: How were you both co- coping um, mental health wise?
6: I think Luke processed it really well and he was largely able to focus himself back on work and that yeah, he was able to accept it and move on. Whereas I think my mental health struggled a lot more and deteriorated very quickly, I think because of how shocking it was, how much we wanted it. And the other aspects that I guess come with the defence side of it being that we didn't have family around and I really had to rely on my friends to help me with Nicole and talk through appointments with me and all the flow on effect it was didn't speak to my family as much as I spoke to my friends about it. So did you seek any support for your mental health? Uh, Yes. About two weeks after I had the miscarriage, I saw my GP and was put on a mental health plan so that I could get access to psychologists through the Gidget Foundation. And I was able to do a couple of sessions with them through their telehealth service to kind of starting to unravel my head and work out, What aspects were hurting me the most or how do I recover and move on?
0: So what has been one of the most, I guess, supportive or compassionate thing that someone did or said during the time that you had lost those pregnancies in the past?
6: I think people just making sure or people who said that we weren't alone and that would then tell us their stories of their losses, it makes it feel so much less isolating um to know that you know it wasn't something that I did or that we did or that you know there's so many healthy, amazing people out there who just like us um are pregnant one day and lose it the next.
0: And what was the the thing that someone did or said during that time that really felt like not the right time to do or say?
6: When I found out the baby didn't have a heartbeat with a doctor then wrote on the referral form missed abortion that has always cut me up because of the language that was used to us it was a baby we wanted and we loved and that was very hard for us to overcome but then there'll be people who would throw out lines like you already have a great daughter what more could you want
0: well welcome sam to the military wife life podcast thanks for coming on today thanks for having us so had you spoken about kids and pregnancy and how that would fit in with defense life and postings.
7: We had he had like a 2 year wait to get into his position and in doing so we spent that time starting to plan kids and starting to find what we wanted to do over the next 5 years. So kids were definitely in range of what yep. we wanted in the next 5 years.
0: When you got pregnant were you trying for a baby or was it unexpected? We
7: were, it was fully planned.
0: And was it a fairly easy process, like no fertility
7: issues? Our first time round was super easy. Um, It was literally just, oh, let's start trying. And it was about the third cycle round we fell pregnant. But our other two were not that simple.
0: (laughs) What then happened with the next pregnancies?
7: So then, because I have endometriosis, we always knew it was going to be hard to conceive. But... I was always told that it was the carrying to full term that would probably be the issue rather than the conceiving. So i have lucky enough that I was able to fall pregnant a few times and in doing so we had two miscarriages and the third time was probably the hardest, but that's how we got Austin. So that was all fertility issues and we had specialist after specialist and I was on fertility drugs for quite some time and it just took a huge toll on my body kind of just became a chore trying to have a baby there was no love behind it anymore
0: the first time that you were pregnant did you find out straight away like what was the process with finding out that you were pregnant the first time
7: so the first two times i actually found out pretty early i was probably only about three weeks pregnant and i had a positive pregnancy test for both of them and our first miscarriage happened at about eight weeks And it was just a really straightforward miscarriage. Everything went the plan, I guess you could say. I didn't have any complications with it. But the second time round, I did. So I actually ended up in hospital for our second miscarriage. And that's the one where he was actually at Kapuka. So I had no way of really telling him what was going on. How
0: did you deal with that? Did you have family and friends support or how? I'd kept it
7: a secret, I guess, that we were actually pregnant. So there was only my two girlfriends and my mum that actually knew, besides my partner, obviously. And I think that was just my fear of having another miscarriage. We weren't at the 12 weeks at that stage, so we just kept it under wraps quite a bit.
0: When he went to Kapooka, at that stage, how far along were you when he went?
7: We were nine weeks, going just going on about 10 weeks. So three weeks later, I was having a bath and I got some cramping. That wasn't really anything unusual in a pregnancy. But then once I got up out of the bath, it was just, just blood. It felt different to our last miscarriage. And I just, I wasn't too sure what was going on. So we actually went up to the hospital and it turns out I had some retained product from the miscarriage. So the miscarriage naturally hadn't broken away properly. So it actually had caused an infection inside of me. So the baby actually stopped growing at about 12 weeks. But my body continued on thinking it was pregnant because it hadn't come away properly. So then I actually almost ended up on IV and all these crazy drugs to try and get the product to actually remove itself from my body. So it was an interesting conversation with hubby when I actually had to tell him.
0: Yeah. And so how did you tell him and what was that phone call like?
7: It was hard. I didn't know if that was something that I could call the emergency line for that you get given when they go to Kapuka because we were so new into everything I wasn't sure what kind of classed as something as an emergency. And in hindsight, I probably should have used that line, but I didn't. I waited for him to have contact. And unfortunately, it was one of those Sundays that they had their phones for about two minutes. So the conversation happened pretty quickly and pretty bluntly, unfortunately, for him. And I think that's probably what caused a bit of a struggle for him, knowing that he couldn't help and there was nothing that he could do.
0: And having so much time ahead of you apart as well.
7: Yeah. And... It was hard just not knowing when I was actually going to be able to speak to him again to actually properly tell him what had happened. He just knew that I was in hospital and we weren't pregnant anymore. And then he had to go back on and switch all of that off in the background and go back to you know, training to be a soldier. I went home to an empty house and not having a baby anymore. And that was hard. I struggled a lot. I dove into work and I probably overdid myself with work and You sit there and think, you know, what did I do wrong? Did I eat something that I shouldn't have ate? Did I drink something that I shouldn't have done? Why my body? Like, why am I broken? And it's really hard to kind of cope with all that stuff when you don't have your mate there because they're away. You know, you pick up, you know, that pregnancy test and you see those two lines and you just picture that in nine months time, you have this beautiful baby and that everything is picture perfect like a Hollywood movie, but it's not the reality.
0: What did he say when he was at Kapooka? Did he confide in anyone else or did he seek any support through any of his um, command down there?
7: Yeah, so his sergeant was amazing. Once he got off the phone, he spoke to his sergeant about what had happened and stuff and they gave him some time just to kind of gather himself again before he joined the platoon again. His sergeant checked in on him constantly, just seeing if he needed anything and gave him advice on where he can access things, like he can go visit the padre and things like that. So they were really good, but in saying that, he never really utilized any of it because he was just he said he was just too busy at the time. He just didn't have that downtime.
0: Did you get any support from counseling service or any anything like that?
7: I did. I reached out to uh, my old counsellor and we had quite a good couple of sessions about it all. But it's like life goes on and people have their own issues so things just get forgotten and that's completely okay. It's just hard when, like, the anniversaries come up of due dates and what would have their birthday been? Would have they been early? Would have they been late? Would they look like him? Would they look like me?
0: How did you find when you were finally able to come back together with your partner when he had finished at Kapuka?
7: It was hard because it was something that was never really spoken about. It was kind of just one of these things that we ignored it for a long time and that ultimately affected both of us individually, let alone our marriage. And then when we did decide to try for another baby, that in itself was a huge I guess burden would probably be the word it was a really big burden like the amount of times would sit up at night is this the right thing to do should we be trying again what about if it's just a repeat of what's happened before and it probably wasn't until about six months after he'd finished that he actually finally opened up and said that it was like the biggest regret was not being able to be there
0: So then how did you ultimately go on to have a baby after your miscarriages?
7: So when we posted from Kapooka to our location together, we found a specialist that did fertility in our area and she was amazing. She's probably the reason we have Austin now. It took a very long time. (laughs) Um, We had to start fertility drugs I had to start getting my cycles to cycle because I wasn't. I was having ovulation issues and that's probably what was causing my miscarriages. So once that was kind of all figured out, things were looking up and we were a bit more positive about actually trying again for another baby in the hopes that it would stick. But we did have quite a few false starts as well along the way. We had two chemical pregnancies, what they class as a blighted ovum, which is where like the sack starts forming but there's actually no baby inside of the sack. And then we had our actual pregnancy. So it took a year and a half of all of that. But it's it always sits there. Until until he was actually in our arms and he was there. It was always in the back of our heads that were well, what if? What if it happens again? What if, What about if I can't carry full term like everyone's told me? What if we get to, you know, 20 weeks and then we start having issues? Your mind just goes through all these what ifs. I don't think I ever enjoyed my pregnancy the whole time.
0: Is there anything that you would want people to know or to talk about In regards to anyone that may have recently been through a miscarriage or, you know, maybe listening to this and in the future may have a miscarriage, like what would you want to tell them?
7: You're not broken. It's not your fault that it's happening. As much as you might feel like that, definitely reach out though and make sure you use your support network that's around you, whether it's your family or your friends, even if it's just one or two of them. I still am trying to unpack our two miscarriages because I didn't take that chance to really talk about them and check in with your partner because as much as they say that they're fine and that they've dealt with it they probably haven't and sometimes they just need a little bit of a push to talk about it so that you guys can work out what your next step is together
0: nine out of ten defense spouses wish they found out about defense banks sooner Okay, I might have just made that up and they do sponsor my podcast, but I've checked them out and I think they're worth a look just for their banking app alone. It's award-winning, has cool features like fast same-day payments, card alerts and controls, and pin change functionality, savings roundups, Apple Pay, Google Pay, Fitbit Pay, Garmin Pay, the list goes on. Oh, and if you really want to go to a branch, you can. There are 33 on-base branches across Australia. Banking as a defence spouse doesn't have to be hard. For more info, visit defencebank.com.au. I so hope you were able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things,